Thank you for joining us for this episode of Journey Now, produced by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information on Journey Church and our gatherings, visit journeytn.com. Hello and welcome to Formation Friday on the Journey Now podcast. My name is Susie Lind and I'm your host for today's episode. I've invited one of our Journey partners, Dave Verhagen, to join us today. Dave is a psychologist and founder of Southeastern Psych here in Nashville, where they serve kids, adolescents, and adults. I'm grateful you get a few minutes to get to know Dave and listen in on this conversation that I know you'll find helpful. After all the shared experiences and unique ones we've had over this past year, many of us find ourselves wondering how to navigate strained relationships. Dave gives us some great insight into our humanity and how conflict and the way we've been wired in our hearts and minds by God can help us honor one another and God along our paths. Here's my conversation with Dave. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Susie. Journey Church and friends, I'm here with the wonderful Dave Verhagen, who is a partner at Journey Church along with his lovely wife, Ellen. And um, I've invited Dave today to talk with us about um, some pretty deep struggles a lot of us are currently having in terms of navigating strained relationships. But before we dive in, Dave, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your work and all that good stuff? I'd love to. So first, let me say, I'm glad that uh, I join Ellen in the designation <laughs> of lovely person. Yes. I, uh, yes. It's, it's, it's usually Ellen is lovely and there's Dave. I'll tell you, a tr- this is a true story. One time, Ellen is a very, for anybody who has met her, knows her, she is just a very magnetic yes. person and memorable and lovely, the best person I've ever known. And one time I was invited to speak. This is this mm-hmm. sounds made up, but this is true. One time I was invited to speak at a thing and Ellen accompanied me. Uh, Ellen's a great speaker in her own right, but she accompanied me. And um, the next time I came back there, someone remembered her and not me. Like I oh was the gosh. speaker and she just was there to be with me. And someone remembered her and didn't know that they'd ever seen me before. That's so, amazing. Yeah, that's good. So uh, a little bit about me. I am uh, a psychologist. So I have been practicing almost 30 years. I, um, I have a PhD from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Go Tar Heels for anybody Yay. who's out there. Yay. <laughs> and um, I have been in... Uh, my my early years in practice, the first five years, were in community mental health. So I worked with um, folks in the community, particularly teenagers who had a lot of um, violent and aggressive behavior. That was my first five years. So definitely um, big time immersion in the deep end of the pool. And then the last 25 years have been in private practice or group practice, the, 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 in particular, the past 20 has been with a group that I started uh, 20 years ago called Southeast Psych. And we started in Charlotte, North Carolina, and now we're in Nashville as well for the past five years. And so for the people who aren't familiar, because we, we often refer people to yeah. for mental health resources and emotional support. And so tell us what your practice focuses on for anyone who might need it as a resource. 
Yeah, I'd love to. We have about a dozen therapists and each mm-hmm. of them has different specialties. So some people just see couples or mostly couples. Some people see adults. Mm-hmm. Some people see uh, children or teenagers. So we try to cover the, the whole range. We're not necessarily a Christian practice, although I'd say the majority of the people there are Christian. We don't want to mm-hmm. hold ourselves out as a Christian practice per se, because we want to have a have um, the opportunity to, to interface and work with and help the whole range. Um, but it's it's a lovely place. We have a great team here in Nashville. We moved here five years ago to start it. We were getting calls the first day and have been full, really, especially during the pandemic, really full. Like just mm-hmm. it's been, been just, the, the, the volume's just gone up because of the need. Um, Nashville's my favorite place I've ever lived. I've lived in seven cities in my life and Nashville's my favorite of those. Uh, I think Ellen would probably say the same thing. Um, Ellen and I have been married for 30 years and we have four and a half children. So <laughs> I always say four and a half because we have four technically adopted children and one unofficially adopted kid. So we, um, we've built our family through adoption and that's a story in itself. I'd love to tell one day about how yeah, that came to be. We'll definitely have to have you on for that story. Yeah. And, um, and so they're great. And, but yet, uh, kids live here in Nashville with us. Uh, they didn't move here with us. They actually have settled here uh, just because of um, circumstances and that we're here. And one is in Des, Mo- Des Moines, Iowa, and one is in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And so that's my family. Love them. Um, the other thing about me that um, is fun is I'm also an author. So I've written, I think, eight books and nine book chapters and a bunch of articles. That's one of my favorite things to do. If I could if I could make my living um, with just writing, I think I, I would definitely want to keep doing what I'm doing as a psychologist, but I think I'd do it 50-50. You know, I yeah. think I would probably do maybe 20 appointments a week and then and then see uh, the rest of the time be able yeah. to write. Mm-hmm. Okay. And aren't you a world-renowned uh, magic <laughs> magician. <laughs> Susie, we call we call magic magician. trick guy magician, right? That's the name. Well, I don't know. You know, guy. some people get a little weird about the term yeah. magician. So. <laughs> it it is true that I am sort of a magician. Is not true that I'm world renowned. Um, and I, I've just when I was a kid, you know, I was one of those kids that was just into stuff like puppets when I was little and then magic. And then I was just that kid. I was that kind of like, we're going to put on a show. And um, then when I got to be a teenager, it was like not very cool. So I didn't, I I gave it up. The first year Ellen and I were married, we took a vacation to Myrtle beach and we were down there on Broadway at the beach and there's a magic shop and my brain just like, (laughs) it it was like a, like a, crack addict you know just like my brain just lit up I, was, I used to have that trick and that so I started getting <laughs> back into it so for the past 20 some years I've, I've been back into it uh Nick Barre is my um sort of partner in crime we're both in a into a form of magic called mentalism wow okay which is the idea that you read someone's mind so if I ever get invited to a party that you and Nick are also invited to, I should definitely go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's it, awesome. It, it'd be very fun. Yeah, that's that's a that's a super fun thing. In fact, you can't see it, but to my right over here, on this part of my desk, 
mm-hmm. I have my little magic set up where I, I practice my little tricks and it's so cute as Ellen That's says. That's so fun. That's so yeah. fun. Okay. And, <laughs> and then lastly, you're pretty involved with the Journey Arts Collective, right? Well, uh, for uh, a couple of years back, there was uh, a, a part of the Arts Collective called The Farm, which was mm-hmm. for younger emerging artists, college age. Mm-hmm. And uh, I helped with some of the teaching there. And then more recently, Brett has asked me to do a series for artists um, by kind of like this, by, by yeah. um, Zoom, uh, once a month for the next probably three or four months. And it really came out of, um, I was approached by an artist who was based in Vancouver, mm-hmm. who wanted me to do um, a, a workshop for self-care for artists. That's so and, good. And Brett was on the on the call and and then asked if I would do that here. So it's just, you know, artists in particular, particularly the performing artists, but but all artists have taken a really hard hit during the pandemic. Yeah, it's been for sure. Super, you know, it's not only a hit to their income and livelihood, but really a, a hit to their identity of mm-hmm. you know, be, being someone who that's part of their calling is to perform and mm-hmm. they're not able to do it at least like they were before. Right. Well, good. Well, we're so grateful to have you on the podcast with us today. Um, So we have, there's a, there's a question that keeps coming up in conversation with people. um, And I know it's not just happening at journey because I'm seeing it talked about, you know, on Twitter and, and really all over as, as um, the events of, gosh, all of 2020 really has unfolded. Um, Sadly, there's been a great divide among the people of God, among the church. And and a lot of people have a a wide spectrum of how they're feeling about that. Um, But the common question, and this is not this is not coming from um, one point of view or one side or one political party or um, or, or another necessarily, but there's a, there's a, a constant thread of tension with people and how to navigate strained relationships. And particularly among like currently, especially in the last two weeks, there's been this like debate over if you say something, if you call something out, then you're being divisive and you're getting in the way of unity, which is what we're called to. But how do you know? And, and some people are going so far as to call it a personal failing, or or even sinful, if you decide to hold a boundary with someone. So there's no like practical playbook in this. I mean, clearly we have scripture that directs us in in our relationships. But um, we had one person actually ask the question, like really from a place of confession where they're having difficulty holding the tension between holding boundaries that they need to hold in order to grieve the intense pain that they're feeling. And and that pain may be anger, it may be um, betrayal, it may be disappointment, it may be being lumped into a group of people that you don't necessarily identify with anymore. But but this person was confessing to having actual feelings of aggression and wanting to demonize another person who they confessed believed was short-sighted, even though knowing that God is in them too. So, and I'm sure all of us, if we're if we're honest, could say 
this is what I believe, this is what I think, and I disagree and think the other people are short-sighted. And and with all the noise and rhetoric around us, it is getting hard for, for us to not demonize the other. So how how do we navigate these relationships, Dave? Do you have give us all of your wisdom and insight? <laughs> all, all of it. it. Here all it comes. It. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll confess up front that it's something I struggle with myself, and I think we all do. And it's yeah. it's and there's not, like you said, there's not a lot of guidance. I have been contemplating it a lot. And yeah. when you asked if we could tackle this topic, I wanted to, but it also hit me in the pit of my stomach of mm-hmm. I, this. I really have to be able to think this through in a good way. And I'll yeah. just start by saying I have at least three, three people come to mind, very close friends or, or people in my life. They're all smart people. They're compassionate people. And in my view, they seemingly have have just lost it. They just don't seem like the same person even Mm -hmm. uh, as before, which has been really puzzling. Um, One of my friends texted a group of us and said, um, after Biden was elected, well, you can say goodbye to the United States. And it was very like this kind of extreme, like we're, we're, we're done for and and, and, and very extreme text in terms of like, basically the country's gone and we've lost it. Um, another hell in a handbasket. Yeah. An, <laughs> yeah. Another told me uh, that he was going to buy more guns because wow. they were going to come take his guns away and round up all the dissenters. Another said that the attack on the Capitol building was uh, people just exercising their first amendment rights and that they did were doing nothing wrong. And these are, are, are people that, that are, are fairly temperate, compassionate, good people that that's been the part that's been, it's just not only, and, and I'll just say this up front, I'm a political moderate. I don't mind saying that. I, yeah. I, I, I am, I am a, a uh, definitely a, a, a true moderate, not I recently. I think it's good for people to know where you're coming from. And yeah. for me as the interviewer, I also am a political moderate. I don't, I don't lean into the Republican party or the democratic party all the way. I'm nor, definitely nor do in I. The mm-hmm. And I, I voted for at the state, the local state federal levels. I voted for Republicans and Democrats mm-hmm. within the same election I voted for. It. So mm-hmm. I just want to say that up front, but what has struck me is part of what makes this time tough is that it's it's not just people expressing opinions that are different. We've all grown up with that for our whole yeah. lives. It's that it, it feels like a different thing. There's a there's an intensity to it on both sides of this. Um, it feels very all or nothing. It feels like the stakes are so high. Um, and, and so I use those three examples to say I've wrestled with what's my response, if any, and what is my responsibility to them, if any. Mm -hmm. I had an hour-long conversation with a friend of mine who wanted to talk with me because he was concerned about a mutual friend's online posts and and rhetoric and personal comments in conversation that were really rising to the level of concern. Like, Mm -hmm. what's what's really happening here? So all that's the the backdrop to say... uh, I wrestle with this too. And um, this is how my mind works. I just started trying to draw from what I know. um, And a lot of this is informed by what I know about psychological research. A lot of it's informed by 
being a Christ follower for 45 years, um, a lot of it's informed by just walking through life with people that are having difficult times for 30 years. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we'll get to all these, but I have 10 principles and I'm, I'm not saying that these are quote, biblical principles. I, I, sometimes I think that's, sometimes people have a principle, they'll put a Bible verse on it and then they'll say it's a biblical principle. I think that these are congruent with biblical principles, but I'm not saying this is some biblical model of how to do this. Great. But um, and, and if we don't get to all of them, then we can put them in the show notes. And, yeah, we'll and, put them in the show notes. Yeah. So the first thing that strikes me is that we need to be very clear about what our goal is. If we're going, and so it, if we are in the are, relationship, be clear in about the relationship, the goal is in the relationship, in the relationship okay. and in the conversation. Okay. Right? What's the goal? If we're going to have a conversation, what is our goal? Is our goal to change their mind? Is our goal to express an opinion? Is our goal because we feel like we're being a weenie if we don't step up? Is our goal uh, an expression of anger? We need to be really clear about that. And and then run it through the filter of, is that a good goal? And is that an achievable goal? Um, a lot of what's happening is really an expression of our brains literally getting hijacked. And what I mean by that is, here's, I'm going to drop the first little bit of psychology on you. And that is okay. in the middle part of your brain, there is a, an area of your brain called your amygdala. It mm-hmm. looks like Amy G. Dalla. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it looks like. Like a Star Wars character, your amygdala. <laughs> And your amygdala is in the middle of your brain and its purpose is to help you avoid danger. It lights up very quickly. So it's there. If the saber-toothed tiger jumps out, it it lights up and you have a fight or flight response. Right. When that amygdala jumps to action, Mm -hmm. sometimes we call that an amygdala hijack because Mm. things happen in your whole brain when that happens. Um, and so your whole, um, kind of being becomes oriented in this sort of like fight or flight, very like reactive stance. And a lot of times when people are posting things online, they're basically posting it out of just their brains just gotten hijacked. They read something that is just so alarming or bad or frustrating to them that they, that they, their brain just, it's almost like white noise yeah. in there just lights up. So when up. we say that we're triggered, that's happening. That's where that's all happening. That right. The triggering is happening with mm-hmm. your amygdala. Yeah. Okay. And so it, it that's where you have to pause and say, am I responding just because I'm triggered and I'm upset? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a good goal. The good goal is not just to express yourself because you feel a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, a good goal is not to try necessarily to change somebody's opinion mm-hmm. necessarily. Could mm-hmm. be. Um but but if if your goal is to stand up for someone who's being oppressed, if the goal is to to look out for someone's well being, that might be okay. So the first thing is just to pause and be really clear and ask yourself in in words in your head, yeah. not in emotions, in language. What is my goal? That's and, really good, Dave. And is it achievable? Mm-hmm. And and is it is it a good goal? Mm-hmm. Um, the second is that I would say the second principle for me is to, to know that it's okay not to talk. You know, one of the questions um, really spoke to that. And I, I think there are times when it is okay not to have the conversation. Um, I'll use my brother as an example. I love my brother. 
He was my best man in my wedding. We're very close. We play online video games twice a week. It's kind of our poker night. We, we talk. That's awesome. I know that he lands differently than I do with a lot of what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. But it, it is our calculation that we're not having the conversation about it because it doesn't go to a good place. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it doesn't strengthen our relationship in that instance. It does not um, sharpen us in that instance, at least where, where it is currently. Now, a month from now, three months from now, maybe, but it's okay to hold your tongue. That's mm-hmm. totally fine. Which brings me to the third principle, which is, I, I honestly feel like it's it's better to choose relationship over rightness. Wow! It, yeah, and 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 that to me is a guiding principle. It it relationship is king. Relationship is paramount. Um, this is a little different than the point we're making, but I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna emphasize why mm-hmm. I say this. Mm-hmm. Um, in the almost thirty years I've done my practice, um, I've walked with families who have kids, teenagers, um, young adults who are in distress. Mm-hmm. And I usually see them at their worst moment. Mm-hmm. I usually, the reason people come in often is that they're at their worst moment. And when people later see me in a restaurant or in public or they catch me, the most consistent thing they say, this is, this is by far the most consistent thing that they say, is they'll say, oh, um, you know, Bob's doing well. He's got a job, such and such. The thing that you told me that was most helpful is choose the relationship over everything else. Choose the relationship over his school achievement, over his decisions, over mm-hmm. stay in the game relationally with them. And because that's what I say, that's what wins the day. That, that the, the parent choosing to be in the relationship more than choosing to um, push to, um, to, um, challenge is ultimately more important. Doesn't mean you don't set limits. It doesn't mean you don't parent. It doesn't mean you don't do all those things, but it means the relationship is paramount. So I, I appreciate that a lot. And I think, you know, for sure, like I have people in my family who I don't want to not be in relationship with people in my family who I see things differently with. But what about like for the person who is actually questioning whether they want to even be in a relationship with what's been revealed to them in somebody? Yeah. Because there's friendships in particular, and particularly like people in the church. I think that's, that's what we're seeing, like divided friendships even and family. I, I know it's it's really tough because I think what we're feeling mm-hmm. is and seeing is that here's someone that we felt like we had a sense of, and now here's this what looks like a very ugly side. Yeah, it's 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 ugly attitudes, and usually, to be honest, the consistent theme with that is that they have attitudes um, that are, I'll, I'll say, ugly toward um, people that are other than them. Mm. And, and, and that's, that's often for, for many people, including me, extremely difficult. What I would say is, um, first of all, you don't have to be in a relationship with everybody. You don't have to be, that's, that's one that, of course you don't have to be. Yeah. Um, but I think as believers, part of our challenge is the, the, the heart of the gospel 
is that we are all deeply flawed. We are all deeply ruined in our, in our perception, in our outlook, in our ability to be selfish. Um, and if we can kind of, that's, that's the whole point of, of the gospel is that we're not good and we mm-hmm. need a savior. That's, that's mm-hmm. the whole point of it. And if we can kind of apply that first to ourselves and then to other people and say, they're coming from this bad place. We don't have to, we don't have to say it's not a bad place, Mm -hmm. Um, but to see it as a person who is, is flawed and then make a calculation of um, given the whole picture of this person, is this someone that even though this is a a, a very, um, uh, offensive, off-putting, difficult thing um, is the whole of their humanity something that I want to to hang on yeah. to. Um, I, I, I could give you examples. I, there's some I don't want to give too specifically because I don't want to reveal the person. But mm-hmm. um, one of my friends who is is um, among the most compassionate people I've ever met, mm-hmm. <clears throat> including to people who are poor. Yeah. Um, has, has also expressed some of the most um, weird and borderline racist, if not overtly racist, um, positions and ideas in the last six months mm-hmm. that I, it, it is just hard to reconcile how that fits in the same yeah. person. Yeah. And yet it does. That, that's that we're, 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 we are a mass of contradictions. We mm. are, we're all mm-hmm. a mass of contradictions. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't negate the fact that he's compassionate. It doesn't negate the fact that he's um, someone who cares about um, the poor, mm-hmm. but th- there, there are some blind sides, which I think I can explain a little bit about where that stuff comes from as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I go is like, it, it, can I, uh, my friend, I told you I had the conversation with about the other friend yeah. What he said is where I'm trying to get to is to hold on to these good things I know about him. Um, and not to deny this other part, but to hold on to this, this bigger, more comprehensive picture of his humanity. Yeah. And I'm hearing you say that it's okay to take the time it takes to do that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 And, and we're trying, he and I are trying to decide what's our responsibility to this other friend? You know, is, is it as friends, should we say this is coming across in a really ugly way or it is really ugly. And, and, Mm -hmm. and that's puzzling to me. Um, Right. Or is that not worth it? Uh, You know, it's, it's not a, it's not an easy calculus. It it Mm -hmm. is something I think it varies. You know, my decision to not engage my brother with that is not because I'm afraid to, it's because I know where things stand right now. We have a very solid relationship, but it would not, it would not better our relationship. And I don't know that I have any kind of magic as it were to, to change his, um, um, his mind mm-hmm. or to soften. Uh, I do know that he is a good person and I could give lots and lots of examples of that. Um, I know that he is a, a Christ follower. Um, and I, and, and I try to understand where he's coming from, but for the most part, we've made a decision not to, not to engage that. Whereas mm-hmm. with someone else, I might, because I might be 
Like, I think you're going to a really bad place. Yeah. Or I, or I think you're in a position where your attitude actually is harmful to other people. So do you, do you think that your decisions, like with your friend and your brother, do you think your decisions on how to engage these things affect the actual depth and value of the relationship? I don't think it has to. I mean, there's, if, if we take this current political climate out, Mm -hmm. it's just so hypercharged, just so emotionally charged. Yeah. But if you think about the sweep of your life, there are people in your life that land in places that are very different than you in and have your, your whole life. And now it's just all flushed out. Right. And, and it doesn't, this isn't created. It's just, we've just looked under the rock, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's, it's always been there. It will continue in, in many ways to be there that we need to address and really, really, powerful ways, I think, as a church. Um, but we, we have been able to navigate relationships um, with people who are very different from us yeah. for most of our lives. So part of it is just the wisdom of let's put this in some kind of perspective. Let's let the heat drop down. That's so good. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's let's have some historical context for this and let and, and, and some perspective. Let's let the heat drop down. Let's mm-hmm. hold our tongue when we need to, mm-hmm. and then we can, re- it's not our charge to, to correct everybody's wrong ideas. Uh, sometimes we need to. And I think for me, the guiding principle is, is someone's attitude and ideas, are they harmful to themselves or to other people? If, if they're in a position where they can, by their ideas, be oppressive to other people, then I think it's my responsibility to step into that. Right. Um, if it's, if their ideas are harmful, like for example, I know one person whose adult son is going down the QAnon yeah. hole. Yeah. Well, that's, that's going to go nowhere, but bad. Clearly right? we so, saw that happen two weeks ago or a week ago. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and so, so then there's sort of a responsibility to that person of mm-hmm. this, this, we need to kind of uh, intervene, intercede on their behalf. Um, so that, that's my guiding principle is, is, is it not, do I feel like I need to be the guy who stands up and says something just to say things? Um, you know, sometimes we have this feeling of we, we, we've got to stand up for it. It's like, well, why? What's, right. what's the wisdom of that? What's the wisdom of just going on record and saying this thing? Yeah, that's good. I have, I have a Facebook friend. He's a younger guy that he posted something that I'll, I'll paraphrase. I don't know the exact language, but basically um, those of you who don't or do support blank, mm-hmm. um, basically I'm going to defriend you and I will never talk to you again. Wow. You know, like that's, you're, you're cut out of my life. And he basically mm-hmm. said it in those words, you're cut out of my life. I don't think yeah. that's wise. I just yeah. don't. I think that's coming from a, an emotional place that where the person's just getting hijacked. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Journey Now on Formation Friday. Join us next Friday as we continue the conversation with Dave Verhagen and hear more helpful principles to keep in mind while talking with friends, family members, and other Christ followers we may not see eye to eye with. 
If you've been enjoying Journey Now, take a moment to subscribe and or leave us a review so others will find us more easily and also be encouraged.